You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet Today rolling on on a Friday game day for the Calgary Flames. Flames and Dallas Stars for the second time this season. 6.30 puck drop, 5.30 warm-up with Pat Steinberg. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Still to come this hour, we'll check in with Calgary Wranglers forward Dryden Hunt. Ahead of a back-to-back for the Calgary Wranglers at the Scotiabank Sandalone this weekend against the Abbotsford Canucks. Of course, lots of Flames chatter in Hour 1, getting you set for this matchup with the Dallas Stars. We heard from head coach Ryan Huska, Michael Backlund, and Andrew Mangiapane on a game day. So if you missed any of that, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Send us a text at 960-960. Fan feedback line always open to you if you're listening live. My outstanding producers on this Friday are Cam and Taylor. We're kicking off this hour of the program. Chatting with our pal Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Of course, you hear him Monday to Friday here on uh, the Sportsnet Radio Network as the host of the fan checkdown and uh, boy, he's got a lot of content to work with this week. Thursday night games, first ever Black Friday game in the NFL is underway, and we still have a full Sunday slate and a Monday nighter to get to. Uh, Maddie, no shortage of content for you this week. How are you, pal? I'm good, man. Here, you know, it's funny. There's no shortage of content, and the one thing that I can't get off my mind is how brilliant the people at Amazon are to have an Amazon Prime game on Black Friday where they take comp- they take people out of their competitor stores and keep them at home to watch football so that they can do all their shopping online at Amazon. That is brilliant stuff. Some people are just smarter. They just get it, man. That's, <laughs> that's how you get to be a billion trillion dollar company, Maddie. It's moves like that. Yeah, not and we're not there. We're no, not there. We not, think we're pretty smart, but yeah, we're not quite there yet. No, we're we're figuring it out one day maybe. Uh, Thursday night are in the books. Of course, U.S. Thanksgiving means we got a full slate of games yesterday. Uh, start me off wherever you feel like it. You want to talk about Dolly Parton? You want to talk about um, the Lions who are good, but apparently never good enough to win on Thanksgiving? What uh, what crossed your mind on Thursday? Well, I'll start with Dolly Parton because, <laughs> um, I mean, 77 years old, and, and she's pulling off that stuff. I mean... I'd be lucky to be alive at 77. I'm not going to lie. So I, I'm, I'm, she, she was great, but you know, the, the lion's thing is so fascinating. And I, I mean, logo, you know me, I'm, I can, I can get a little crazy and weird with stuff. And I saw this stat yesterday and I said it on the show today, there was this moon phase and people are going to be like, Oh, where is this guy going? <laughs> There's a moon phase called waxing gibbous. Now, for those that don't know, which I'm sure is most of the people listening to this, it is a moon phase right before a full moon. And when the Thanksgiving Day game falls on in this period, this phase, the Detroit Lions are now 0-13. Now, make of that what you may. I don't know. But there's obviously something in the air when it comes to the Detroit Lions and Thanksgiving Day games, the moon cycle, and all these other weird things. 
Here's what I do know. I don't know a lot about moon cycles. Here's what I do know. They're turning the ball over a lot, and it doesn't look good right now. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, what an impressive comeback win, you know, against the Bears. Well, it was against the Bears, and you were at home, and then you had, you know, the short week. You didn't have to travel and played a Green Bay team who, let's face it, really banged up. No Aaron Jones, no Luke Musgrave, no Dontavian Wicks on offense. They don't have, they still don't have David Bakhtiari. He may never play again. And then on defense, they had no Devondre Campbell. They had no Jair Alexander. They traded away Rasul Douglas. And their secondary's banged up. And you're looking at this going, this is a prime day for the Detroit Lions at home against a banged up Packers team. And hey, Jordan Love is not very good. And all these things that go along with that. And they lose. And quite convincingly, they lost. It felt like the Packers could do no wrong yesterday. And there's, you know, and you know how I feel about the Lions. I think they're a really good football team. But there's some concern here that, you know, they're making too many mistakes at this point in the season and mistakes that they did not make earlier in the year. And it just, it just was not a pretty game. Jared Goff has six turnovers in his last two games. And it's just been, it's been kind of messy when it comes to the Lions lately. And I, I really do wonder what the concern level is among Lions fans. They can't be happy with how the team has played over the last couple of weeks, but you look at the record and go, nah, maybe it's just a blip. I wonder with the Lions, Maddie, if it's not just a process of a team learning how to be good and consistent for an entire season, because I don't know how many guys in that Detroit locker room have ever done that at the NFL level. And I think it's, that's at least how I look at it from them. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm certainly not concerned at eight and three. I just wonder if this is a team that's sitting there like, Hey, we've actually never done this before. And now we're trying to keep it up for an entire season. And no one's taking us lightly because we've been strong to finish last season. We had a good start to this season. I wonder if it's just not figuring out how to win and how to be a good NFL team on a week to week basis. I think it's a good point. And what we do know is this team has been playing pretty good football since probably week, I don't know, week 10 of last year. And, and so, yeah, they are learning. And, you know, it's almost as if if they got to the – I wonder where they would be at if they had gotten into the playoffs last year because they got close. Like, the way that they played down the stretch, they were one of the best teams in football, and the defense tightened up. And now, you know, you wonder where they would be had they gotten that playoff confidence, had they, you know, had that experience, that taste of success. And so I think there's some, I think there's a lot of credence to what you're saying, because we see it in sports all the time. Like, you know, it's not their time right now, or, you know, they're, they're on the cusp and, and maybe the lions are that, you know, there's, there's lots of teams in pro sports that, that do that same thing. And, and they need to learn they lost already. They need to learn how to win and, and how to be, you know, have that swagger, right? I think they had the swagger a little bit and then kind of got knocked down to earth against the bears. I, I do fully expect them to bounce back and be a much more productive team down the stretch. I wonder if the Packers game was kind of the, uh, the awakening that they needed, like, okay, this is a long season. There's still a lot to learn and we're not out of the woods yet. Like, Let's not forget the the Minnesota Vikings, if they win this week, are not far off from the Detroit Lions. So there's still work to be done here. Yeah. No, 100%. I think it's a good point uh, that they're not out of the woods by any means. Uh, If you're Detroit, you can't get too comfy in that position.
Uh, on the other side, you mentioned him briefly there. Uh, I'm curious how you see Jordan Love this season and whether or not he's sort of getting due credit. Do you think he's right where he should be? I mean, we waited a very long time. I'm sure it was even longer for Jordan Love to to sit and wait and develop as the next guy under Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, I think last night was a pretty good expectation, I guess yesterday afternoon, uh, a pretty good example of what Jordan Love can be at the NFL level. And even right now, I don't love the weapons he has around him, Matty. Do you not, do you see some of the throws and see a little bit of Aaron Rodgers? In a the bit. Throws? Yeah. It's hard like not the, to get that influence. Arm, yeah. Yeah. The sidearm stuff and the throwing on the run or off the back foot. Like some of those things I'm like, well, that looks like he learned a thing or two from Aaron Rodgers. So here's a stat that I put out on my show. Um, and I can't remember the, the Twitter account that sent it. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, through his first 11 games, had 2,599 passing yards, 17 TDs, nine interceptions. He was five and six. Jordan Love, through his first 11 games, 2,599 passing yards, 19 TDs, 10 interceptions, five and six record. That sounds oddly familiar, doesn't it? It does. I'm not saying that Jordan Love is going to go on to be Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or any of those two Packer legends. But what I'm saying is this guy's basically a rookie. Like he, we can say that he sat behind Aaron Rodgers and, you know, he learned a lot, but he's not very good. And so people get so, after we saw what Patrick Mahomes did after sitting a year, everybody gets caught up in thinking, well, you know, if, you, if you're, if Patrick Mahomes can do it, well, we should expect that from everybody. Well, Patrick Mahomes is a freak and we all know that. So I look at Jordan Love and say, he's a rookie quarterback. He hasn't had that many reps. Nobody thought he was going to be Aaron Rodgers coming out of college nobody thought and if you thought that you were crazy so to say that you know the evaluation of Jordan Love should start and end with we should evaluate him as a rookie and he's got to show signs of you know improvement he looked really good at the beginning of the year he threw for you know three touchdowns in in each of his first two games and you're like oh boy like this guy's lighting the world on fire then the success started to slow down and the team started to not play so well. And they were struggling in the first half. And all of these things go into the ups and downs of what you should expect from a rookie quarterback. And so now it looks like he's kind of found something. I think Christian Watson is a good receiver, uh, but he can never stay healthy. He looked good yesterday, but how often do you get that? I think Jaden Reed's going to be a really good player. I think he's already shown that Romeo Dobbs is a fine number three. Here's the other thing. To evaluate Jordan Love, you have to evaluate the entire offense. Well, they haven't had Aaron Jones for a big chunk of this season. A.J. Dillon is clearly not the answer. And this is a really, really young group of skill position players. When we talk about the tight end group, they're starting two rookies. Luke Musgrave is out, but they brought in, you know, Tucker Kraft played yesterday, scored a touchdown. They're both rookies. And then you've got Christian Watson in year two. Romeo Dobbs in year two. Jaden Reed is a rookie. So when you put all of that together, you say this offense as a whole is going to have its speed bumps. So therefore, Jordan Love is going to have his speed bumps. So I look at it and say, I'm not willing to make a judgment on what this guy's career is going to be after 11 games. But what I will say is that he's definitely shown signs of improvement. And I certainly don't think he's going to be a bottom of the barrel quarterback, but maybe you know, maybe he can be a, a middle of the road to a, a better quarterback. Maybe he's, maybe he ends up being, you know, a top 12 quarterback and maybe it's 12, but certainly he's shown signs of improvement. And I think if anybody says otherwise, I think they're, 
frankly, not watching the games. Uh, another quarterback that I think we're still figuring out is Sam Howell with the Washington Commanders. Not much to say about the game. It was a, a runaway from the Dallas Cowboys. They won by 35. Um, I, I like Sam Howell. I'm starting to, to come around on him as a guy that I think could be the starting quarterback for this team, but it's a little bit of a bigger picture question for you. And it's just, where do you see this Washington team going? Because they're kind of uh, sitting in that murky middle for me, Maddie, where I don't know, you're never really good enough to compete, but you're not bad enough to, to bottom out. They traded away some pieces of the trade deadline. Uh, again, you know, they've got four wins, so they're not going to be too close right now to the first overall pick or anything like that. What do you see the direction of this team as right now? They've got a tough schedule coming up. Like they maybe have two winnable games uh, over the course of the rest of the season. Uh, the Rams maybe, and then they, you know, play the Jets and they might be starting me at quarterback by the time they play Washington. So who knows? <laughs> but I, I look at Sam Howell and I say, how can you evaluate again? He's, he's basically a rookie he played one game last year. He's a fifth round pick. He should have, his draft stock was hurt because he had no offensive line at North Carolina. He was by all accounts. And certainly in my book, the best quarterback coming into that draft year and his stock got hurt because he was running for his life for the entirety of, of that season with North Carolina. I mean, you could say that he's doing the same thing in Washington right now, but it's hard to evaluate a quarterback and say, you know, is he making the right throws? Is he making the right reads? Well, it's kind of hard to run through your progressions when as soon as you snap the ball, you're, the guys are all over you because your offensive line sucks. Like he's, he may end up being the most sacked quarterback in the history of the NFL. And it may be by a wide margin. Is that, is some of that on Sam Howell? Yes. And that's what happens for rookie quarterbacks is you learn along the way, but 90% of what's happening there and all the time he's getting sacked, well, that's on the offensive line and not being very good. So I think he's made some really nice plays. I think he's done some things that a lot of people probably didn't expect. I would be keeping Sam Howell around, not only because he's cheap, but I think he's really good. And, you know, when we talk about that draft class, Kenny Pickett was the guy who went in the first round. I, I, I table this question to you. Who would you rather have right now on Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell? Yeah, it'd be Sam Howell and it wouldn't be close. Exactly. So when you look at that and you say, okay, Sam Howell could be the guy. Here's the only caveat to this whole thing is if Washington, if they bottom out enough and maybe they have an affinity for Drake May and maybe Drake May can possibly get to them in the draft or they can use some of the draft capital that they acquired for either Montez Sweat or Chase Young to move up to get a guy like Drake May. Maybe that's something that they consider. And then also, Sam Howell then becomes a tradable asset. And you're going to get more than a fifth-round pick for Sam Howell that you drafted him with. So your return of, on investment is pretty good in that scenario. So, so they have time to figure this out. They have time to see what is Sam Howell and what can we do with him. And here's the other thing. They're going to have a new head coach. They fired Jack Del Rio today. They fired... Um, the defensive, the defensive back coach, like the two scapegoats, Ron Rivera is not going to be the coach of this team next year. I have an inclination, and this is just me as uh, our pal Tua, um, not to do live play-by-play because <laughs> you're not really allowed to do that, but just through a pick six. Um, but it depends on, on what 
Eric Bieniemy thinks of Sam Howell because I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. And he's had a year to work with him here, and he's going to know, or at least he's going to have a sense, is Sam Howell my guy? And if he's the head coach, I have a feeling that Sam Howell is going to stick around. So then you can use that draft capital to invest in the offensive line, maybe invest in a, a tight end like Brock Bowers, who's fantastic at Georgia. And you can kind of build around Sam Howell a little bit and some of the other guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dawson and, you know, to a lesser extent, Curtis Samuel. But you can do that. So I think Washington, believe it or not, is actually in a good spot because they have a good quarterback in place already and they can do a lot with him or they can trade him for an asset and build around whoever they want to draft. But for me, it would be keeping Sam Howell at least for another year. Okay, so one more on the Thursday slate of games. I'm going to keep the quarterback theme alive for you between these three games. Uh, do the Seattle Seahawks need to improve their quarterback position better than Geno Smith if they want to get anywhere in that division? Certainly does feel that way, doesn't it? And um, it's it's kind of... Like, he's fine. He's fine. I don't want to... Like, yeah, he, he's, he's okay, yeah, he, but I don't know that you're ever winning a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. Well, and you just said it. He's fine. He's okay. And what what fine and okay quarterbacks win championships nowadays? There's, it's not. We're, gone are the days where, and he's not as bad as Trent Dilfer was. But gone are the days where Trent Dilfer is going to win a, a, a Super Bowl because he's the quarterback and the defense is so elite. Offenses are just too good, generally speaking, nowadays that you can have that because you know defense in theory wins you championships, but you got to get there first. And if you can't get there with a guy like Geno Smith, well, guess what? You're going to have to figure something out. They don't have a massive investment in Geno Smith. I know a lot of people thought that they would draft a quarterback this year and learn behind Geno Smith for a year, year and a half, maybe two, and then kind of figure it out. I do wonder if what we've seen from Geno Smith, because he's been a turnover machine this year, and that defense has been put in a lot of tough spots, And I think that for the most part, they've been okay. But when you talk about Geno Smith and the ceiling, last year was the ceiling for Geno Smith. He's not going to be better than he was last year. Look at the weapons that they've surrounded him with this year. They went out and drafted a wide receiver in the first round in Jackson Smith and Jigba. They went out and drafted a running back in the second round in Zach Charbonnet to go along with Kenneth Walker and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And they're still not putting up numbers. And Gino has been part of the reason why. Because he's put the ball in bad spots. He hasn't taken care of the ball. And they haven't moved the ball with great frequency like they did last year. Maybe it could be because of the tougher schedule. Maybe it could be because, well, Gino Smith turned into a pumpkin. And we're just seeing what Gino Smith is. I think that what we're going to see is Seattle is going to make a concerted effort to improve the quarterback position after this year, probably through the draft and not likely through free agency. But I think we are going to see a little bit of a change in the guard. Geno Smith will be the starting quarterback. Now I'm like 90% sure that that's going to happen for next year, but he's going to have competition behind him. It's not going to be the Drew Locke show behind him anymore. So um, yeah, I, I think that they've kind of hit, they hit their ceiling last year with Geno Smith and, Logo, they're going to be hard-pressed to get into the playoffs. Like, I know there are teams that are behind them that have to do some work, but look at the way the Packers are playing right now. The Packers have 
outside of Kansas City next week, a very winnable schedule going forward. Like, I'm not going to say they're, they're going to run the table, but if they win, you know, four games, I'm pretty sure 10 wins pro- or, or nine wins probably gets you in, uh, especially in the NFC with how kind of up and down it's been. I could also see Seattle really falling back to earth and it could be, you know, a, a head-to-head matchup between those two as to who gets that final wild card spot because I also think that Minnesota, the way they're playing, they look like they're in okay shape too. So, yeah, I, if, if Seattle doesn't make the playoffs with the team that they have, I really do believe that there's going to be questions about Geno Smith. He's Matt Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown every Monday to Friday here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, just a couple more for you, Matty, before we let you go on this Friday. Uh, Sunday slate of games coming up. It's another full one. Uh, hard to look past. I don't want to always bring up your bills, but it kind of feels like uh, they're the matchup to watch against an Eagles team coming off a big win uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs on uh, last Monday night. Yeah, it's listen, I, I had it as the biggest game of the week for me. And not because I'm a fan, but when you look at the what this means for the Buffalo Bills, you know, depending on what happens with the Dolphins here, the Bills could be right back in the, the chase for the division. And they got a bye coming up. Like, you can't go into a bye with a loss. I don't care if it's to the Eagles on the road. Those are the worst, like, especially as a fan. I mean, I don't want to see my team go into the bye with a loss. <laughs> um, but they, they, they have to win this game, much like they had to go and beat the tar out of the Jets last week. They have to go and win this game this week against the Eagles. And on the flip side, like I look at the Eagles and say, does it not feel like they're kind of just playing to stay healthy right now? Because wins have come. I don't want to say easy because the chiefs game wasn't easy, but the chiefs did it to themselves. The chiefs beat themselves in that one, two red zone turnovers and they couldn't get it done. I think that this game for the Bills is going to tell us a lot about the rest of the season because, you know, if you lose that, Miami, you know, probably beats the Jets today, I would assume. They'd be crazy not to. But if they fall, you know, two, three games behind the division, the problem is in the AFC is there's so many teams that are kind of in and around that spot. So you're going to have to leapfrog some teams. And they're, you know, the Bills aren't winning games against the AFC, so they're losing tiebreakers left and right. Like you, I'm not saying you got to win out, but if you're the Bills, you probably got to. You probably only have room to lose maybe two games the rest of the year if you want to get in. So it's a big one, and you know, for for the Eagles, I mean, when you look at them, they they're just such an interesting team because I still don't think that we've seen the peak here. We saw it last year. The defense was elite. The offense was elite. But the defense has had its ups and downs. The offense certainly struggled at the beginning of the year. Uh, We've seen far from perfect football from the Philadelphia Eagles, and they have the best record in the NFL, which should be scary to the rest (laughs) of the league that they've gone this far and have only lost one game. And it was against the Jets of all teams. So, yeah, it's a big one for the Bills. And, hey, might end up being their season, as crazy as that is to say. Uh, Looking forward to it, Matty. Go enjoy the rest of the uh, Dolphins and the Jets on this Friday. And uh, as usual, enjoy the Sunday slate and the Monday nighter, pal. We'll chat with you next week. You too, buddy. Have a great week. I will talk next week. Take care. Matt Marchese joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, chatting all things NFL. Of course, uh, he's from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, and the host of the Fan Checkdown Show, which goes Monday to Friday with Donovan Bennett on the Sportsnet 
Radio Network. Back to hockey when we come back. We'll check in on the Calgary Wranglers with forward Dryden Hunt. They're set for two games against the Abbotsford Canucks this weekend. We're checking in on the uh, action of the Scotiabank Sound that starts tomorrow afternoon. That when Sportsnet Today returns, it's next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We have Calgary Wranglers hockey on your radio this weekend. Back-to-back games against the Abbotsford Canucks for the Wranglers, who 16 games into the season sit one point behind the Hershey Bears for top spot in the American Hockey League. They've got a 12-3-1 record. Get down to the Saddle Dome this weekend. They're debuting some brand-new Outlaw jerseys. Going to look slick in the black. And go and support uh, the Wranglers, who have been killing it on the ice this season. Very excited to bring you both of those broadcasts this weekend. We'll have Sandra Persina and Maddie Rose on the call. I'll be doing your pregame show on Saturday. And uh, one of the players we'll see in those matchups this weekend. Joining us down the Atlas Speech and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon is uh, Dryden Hunt. Dryden, thanks for the time today, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first things first, congratulations. Happy birthday, man. How's the uh, birthday boy feeling today? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's been nice. We had a little, little practice this morning. It's a beautiful day out, so it's been good so far. Anything different? The teammates give you any uh, flack or anything fun for having a, a birthday and a practice day mixed together? Uh, you get called out a little bit in video <laughs> at, at the start, but uh, that's about it. Guys are pretty good. <laughs> that's good to hear, man. Uh wanted to go back to uh, the week for you guys. You had a couple contests uh, against Tucson Tuesday, uh, the first time you guys had lost consecutive games this season, and you bounced back. Uh, with a big win on uh, Wednesday. How did you like your group's response in that second game against the Roadrunners? Yeah, I think it was good. Obviously, you never want to lose two in a row, let alone uh, three. Um, But I think we should be pretty proud. Uh, It was a tough stretch there for a bit, you know, going back and forth to California and, uh, you know, eight games in like 14 days. So it was a bit of a grind, but it was nice to get that win uh, against Tucson. Hopefully we can kind of carry it on into this weekend, I guess. Uh, Calgary's still pretty new to the American Hockey League uh, schedule, but you've got over 200 games in the NHL level. You've played plenty in the AHL as well. Uh, playing those two games back-to-back against the same opponent, how different is that between the NHL level? Do you notice a big difference when you're playing the second half of a back-to-back against the same opponent? Yeah, I guess it never really happens in the NHL for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I just think that the scheduling, how it works in the AHL, it's easy to do. It's easy to get two games out of the way. So it's uh, it's actually nice. It kind of creates a bit of a, not a rivalry because it's only the two games, but it, it creates a bit more emotion for the second game. Uh, you know, you lose the first one, you kind of get a bit more amped up for the second one to play the same team and kind of redeem yourself. So it's, uh, it's fun to do that in the AHL, I guess. Uh, you joined the team last season later on after the trade deadline, but you went on the playoff run with this group and, uh, as I mentioned it coming in, you guys are right near the top of the standings, this group. What's, uh, what's made this team so successful in your short time with uh, the Wranglers and the Flames organization? Well, I think it's a lot of the same group. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have Wolfie back there for, uh, you know, another season. Um, obviously a different head coach, but uh, a lot of the same core group of guys um, that were that were there in that, that playoff run. And uh, a lot of guys that are familiar with the system and Calgary and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, it's been kind of fun to carry that uh, success we had last year into this year and a little bit of a bump in the road the last couple of games. But, um, 
I think we should be pretty happy with uh, with the first 15 or 16 games. You mentioned it, some definite changes from last year. A couple of guys, Matty Phillips and uh, some other players have found homes in new organizations, but you did mention you got a new head coach in, in Trent Call. What's the year been like for you under Trent, and what are some of the differences maybe uh, between his coaching style and what you had last year with Mitch? Uh, he's, he's been great. Um, you know, with the new coaching staff with Calgary, it definitely affects the uh, the system that we play in, in the American League. So I don't know if that's totally color system, but yeah. um, both were both were young guys, and um, you know I, I really enjoyed Lover. But uh, Color's been great. He's uh, you know a fresh voice. He's young, passionate, cares a lot about uh, the guys off the ice. So uh, we're really fortunate to have him, and it's been kind of a seamless transition so far with with the guys and him and and all the other new new guys. So it's it's been really good. And I guess you would know this as well as anybody, Dryden, knowing that you've gone up between the NHL and the AHL throughout your career. That transition style-wise between the NHL and the AHL, it's important that guys are on the same page when they make that uh, eventual call-up to the big club, right? It really is. You know, I've been in places where you have the American League team playing a different system than than the, the NHL team, and it just makes it so much harder on guys. You know, they're already dealing with, you know, changing leagues and, the pressures of you know trying to perform in the NHL and stay there. They don't really need to deal with a new system, so it's great they do that here. And they, you know whether you're with the Flames or the Wranglers, you're playing the same, the same way, and they expect the same thing. So uh, it, it makes it a lot easier for guys. You see guys going up, and, and there's no real you know two or three game lull. They just kind of jump in, and they know what uh, their role is in the system. So it's good that they do that here. I guess you've got a, a bit of a unique perspective on this as well because you would have had this. Um, in Toronto, you wouldn't have been in the same building as the Leafs, but same city with the Marlies and the Maple Leafs. We always assume in the media and we're talking to fans that there's a, I don't know, we talk about it being, I guess, a distinct advantage or maybe a unique situation having the farm team and the big club in the same city or the same building. Do you guys feel that effect uh, on a day-to-day basis? What's it like having, you know, Craig and the rest of the Flames guys kind of interacting and I guess around you guys on a more regular basis? Yeah, I think it's a huge advantage, and I think a lot of teams are, are, you know, going towards that model, if not, you know, having a team an hour, an hour and a half away. Um, it just, and especially here with, you know, the Flames being literally just a dress room beside us, and, you know, we use their facilities, and um, it, it uh, you know, for guys that are getting called up for the first time, it's a little bit intimidating to go into a new dressing room and a new, you know, gym and, um, you know, lounge, but just the little stuff that guys that people don't think about. So to have that, you know, familiarity with it is, is, is huge for guys just to not worry about another thing, another new thing for them to have to deal with. So um, it's pretty special that they have that here. It was the same thing in Toronto, just a different rank, but um, it's definitely a huge benefit. And I think a lot of teams uh, are trying to move towards that model. Uh, on a personal level, how have you felt this season? You had a strong training camp with the Flames. Got a couple games at the NHL level. I think you're up to eight now with the Wranglers, seven points so far. How have you felt uh, on an individual basis this season? Yeah, it's been good. It's um, you know it was fun to start with the the Flames. I think you know you kind of earned that job at a camp, and I was happy with that. Unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I just wasn't able to sustain it. But um, being down with the Wranglers, I think we've done a great job playing with Maddie and. Uh, Whoever our centerman has been, it's been it's been pretty fun. It's been, you know, we have to puck a lot of the game. It's just a, it's a lot of fun to play that way. So, um, you know, it's it's been it's been great so far. The team's winning. Um, you know, it's fun to come down and and just 
you know, you're expected to win every night. So it's, yeah. uh, it's good to have that. And, um, it's, it's good for, you know, young guys and the culture to, to be around winning, winning uh, hockey. So it's been fun and uh, whatever happens next is going to happen. But for now it's, it's been great being with the Wranglers and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can keep it going, I guess. Uh, you mentioned being on the line with, with Matt Coronado and obviously uh, Flames fans paying close attention. He's a high draft pick and his first real experience playing pro hockey at the NHL level and now getting some time in the American Hockey League level. That's a tough transition for people. I imagine for for you being and spending so much time with him, you're kind of alongside him on that learning journey because you've been around this game longer than he has. And that first little while going into to pro hockey for anybody at an NCAA hockey it's got to be a big transition for him. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot thrown at Maddie, and you know, uh, you know, starting with the Flames and playing big minutes and on the power play, and you know, trying to contribute every night. That, that's that's a lot of pressure for a young kid, and uh, he did a great job. Um, and then the next step for him is just trying to sustain it. Um, but you know, he came down with the the Wranglers, and he's he's been awesome. He's he's the best dude, and uh, he's got a great outlook on what's going on and um he's been playing some really good hockey for us you know you, you could see spurts without the flames the offensive uh awareness that he has but he, he's just been kind of taking over down here and it's been really fun to watch and and, and with him so um hopefully he can keep it going because uh he's, he's lots of fun to play with and lots of fun to watch so you know flames fans should be you know super happy with and proud of him because uh, it's not always easy turning pro right away yeah, and I know a lot of people will look at it as a, a demotion between leagues, obviously going from the NHL to the AHL, but I mean, you would know this as well as anybody, Dryden. It's a great place for him to, to learn what it takes to be a pro on a day-to-day basis, and that's only going to help him when he gets back to the NHL level because I think we all know that's coming for Matty sooner rather than later. 100%, and there's a lot of good older guys down here that he can – not learn from, but just kind of, you know, pick different things from whether it's, you know, the, how, you, how you go about your day and um, what you can do to prepare yourself for the next game. Because we, we play a lot of games in a condensed amount of time down here. So it's, it's you know, it's new for him. He's used to play on the weekends and, you know, to play these back-to-backs and then get a couple of days off and play back-to-back. It's hard. And he's been doing a great job with it. He's, he, you know, he's got a great attitude and a great outlook. So um, it's definitely not a demotion. He's, you know... It, a lot of these guys, it's hard to just turn pro and stay in the NHL for however many years. So, um, you know, I think the goal is for him to come down here and, you know, play well and, you know, produce and have fun. And he's been doing everything. So um, pretty happy for Matty. Uh, Wranglers forward Dryden Hunt along with us. Wranglers and the Abbotsford Canucks back-to-back games this weekend at the Scotiabank Saddle. Don't really appreciate the time, Dryden. Just a couple more for you here. Um, with Matty coming down, it meant a couple of youngsters got sent up to the Calgary Flames and uh, they've made a lot of noise. I know you haven't spent a ton of time with Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil as teammates, but in the short time that you have seen them, how cool is it to uh, see them come up to the NHL and kind of NHL level, I should say, and kind of have the impact that they've had early on? Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Pospi. He just wasn't around much last year, and he was kind of injured and yeah. that kind of thing. But spent a lot of time with Czar last year, and um, he's a special player, I think. Um, he, he just got called up and he had such confidence. And I think that's one of the things that's making him so, so, uh, productive and effective, I guess, up there. Um, you know, another guy, like it's hard to, was it his third year pro? Like it's hard to just turn pro and be that player right away as a first round pick. It's a lot of pressure on guys like that. So really happy for him to get his opportunity and for him to kind of make the most of it. So, uh, yeah, it's fun watching those guys do what they're doing out there. 
Uh, anytime you mentioned Calgary youngsters, of course, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about Dustin Wolf. Uh, how much fun is it going to work every day knowing you've got that guy behind you and uh, the kind of numbers and performance he brings on a night-to-night basis for your group? Yeah, it's always nice when you turn the puck over at your own blue line and you look back and Wolfie's, Wolfie's back there to save your bacon. So um, he's done that quite a few times for us. Uh, we're really lucky to have him. And I think, uh, especially last year, uh, a lot of our success was, you know, having that guy back there. And that's not to say that our defense and our, you know, our forwards didn't do their job. But, you know, when you have that guy back there, it gives a lot of guys confidence to make plays and, and do what they do. So uh, it, it's uh, special to watch him every night. And, then, you know, he'll get his opportunity eventually. But for now, he's doing a great job. Uh, and last but not least, you guys are repping some new jerseys this weekend. I saw the reaction video uh, the team posted on Twitter. I saw Wolfie. Uh, debuted a nice little set of pads and a new helmet for you. Uh, what do you think about the the black outlaw look you guys are going to rep this weekend? Yeah, I think they're really cool. We we uh, practice in the gear today. It's it's pretty clean look. I think I've seen the Flames wear their black uniforms and they call it blast gear or whatever. But yeah, um, it's kind of kind of the same look. It's it's pretty sleek and uh, hopefully we can do some damage in those uniforms and keep wearing them. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be a, a fun look for the fans. and um, Yeah, I'm excited to wear them. Yeah, it should be cool. I know on Tuesday when I was uh, up the press box, I could see a couple people in the stands already had them. So I think they're going to be a hot ticket and uh, Christmas right around the yeah. corner. Once you get them out there on the ice, should be a, a popular one. Dryden, I really appreciate the time, man. Uh, I know it's a birthday. I know it's a practice day for you as well, but I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to chat with us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Appreciate man. It. Good luck this weekend, hey? See you later. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Dryden Hunt joining us. Flames forward and uh, Calgary Wranglers forward joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. If you haven't checked out the Wranglers this season, Dryden Hunt's kind of been the guy opposite Matt Coronado since he's been there. And like you mentioned, the center ice position has kind of changed around them as the season's gone on. But there is a legit chemistry between Coronado and Hunt down there, and it is on a different level in the offensive zone. The two of them read off each other very well. They play with a ton of speed in the offensive zone, and if there was a guy that I had to point to that's probably been a a really nice helper to Matt Coronado during his uh, initial transition to life at the American Hockey League level, uh, number 22, Dryden Hunt's the guy that I would point to. Uh, He's he's just been awesome for, uh, for a guy like Matt Coronado, and I wouldn't put it past uh, seeing Dryden Hunt back at the NHL level uh, again. He's gone down to the American Hockey League level. He's just a he's a great guy to have in your organization. He's turned 28 today. It's his birthday, so we appreciate him jumping on his birthday. But the guy's got over 200 games of NHL experience. He spent time in the A before, uh, and you just kind of know what you're going to get from Dryden Hunt on a day-to-day basis. So uh, playing a big role with the Wranglers right now. Uh, same as Matt Coronado, you know, wouldn't surprise me to see them back up with the group sooner rather than later. Thank you to Reese of the Calgary Wranglers uh, for helping us put that together on this Friday. And uh, thank you again to Dryden Hunt for joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It is a Flames game day today. Of course, we're focusing in on the Flames and the Dallas Stars. 6.30 puck drop tonight from Dallas. 5.30 Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. Jacob Markstrom get this, uh, gets the start in goal for the Flames. It'll be Jake Ottinger going for the Dallas Stars. Nick DeSimone uh, still out on the blue line. That means Dennis Gilbert's on that pairing with Nikita Zadorov. Uh, and Walker Dewar comes out of the lineup 
tonight for the Calgary Flames as Connor Zeri is back and healthy, ready to go on that line once again with Nazem Kadri and Martin Pospisil. U.S. Thanksgiving weekend, so we've got uh, a full slate of Friday games in the NHL right now. Let's take a look at the out-of-town scoreboard on this Friday. A couple of games have gone final already. There's 15 games on this Friday to get to. Uh, right now, live on Sportsnet West, uh, the Oilers having a bounce-back game against the Washington Capitals. A minute left to go in period two. Oilers up 5 nothing. Uh, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evan Bouchard, and two from Leon Dreisaitl uh, has the Oilers out to that lead. Predators coming off that win against the Flames. They are flying against St. Louis. They're through 40 minutes in in St. Louis. It's 7-2 Predators. Blue Jackets out to a 2-1 lead over the New Jersey Devils through 40 minutes as well. Kings crushing the Ducks midway through the second period. That game is 4 nothing as it feels like Anaheim uh, kind of coming back to uh, reality after a hot start to the season. And we're scoreless in the second period between the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks. Three games final from earlier today. Red Wings down the Bruins 5-2. Rangers 3-1 winners over the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Chicago Blackhawks come back to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3 in overtime. Jason Dickinson scores in the second and in the third to tie the game up. Kevin Korczynski with the OT winner, his second of the season. And the Blackhawks down the Maple Leafs 4-3 in overtime. If only they had a big bruising defenseman back there. Or a couple of them. Right, Cam? Great, great observation. Thank you. Thanks, Leon. Leon should be happy today. They're winning. They're on a bit of a heater. I don't know if I'd call it a heater. It, it's five nothing, Logan. Well, today they are. Yes, today they are on a heater, and the to, season to, is. As you say, the, the right, the, the overall. Abysmal. The season is the freezer that you put outside of your acreage in the in the back. That's what their season is. Your, but today's your a garage heater. fridge. Yeah. <laughs> today they are the kitchen fridge. <laughs> wow. I Please. wonder where Cam was going with that. Is your fridge on the outside of your acreage in the freezing cold? That's where they are. That's their season as a whole. Today, yeah, they're the kitchen fridge. Yeah, t- they're a little bit warmer. They're doing they're doing good today. Who knows what tomorrow brings? If you want to watch the third period, uh, Sportsnet West has that one. Oilers 5, Capitals nothing still to come uh, on the other Sportsnet channels. Penguins and Sabres, they get going at 6 o'clock. Uh, 7 o'clock, it is, or excuse me, that's Eastern time, so it's 4 o'clock. So we're coming up quickly on Penguins-Sabres. Uh, we also have the Islanders and the Senators, Lightning, Hurricanes, Jets, Panthers. Uh, your late matchups tonight uh, is in Seattle. It's the Canucks and the Kraken. Uh, every other game, 6.30 or earlier starts on the NHL schedule. Uh, and one game going on in the NFL right now as well. Uh, it's an Amazon Prime game on Black Friday. First time they've ever played an NFL game on Black Friday, but right now, the Miami Dolphins have a 20-6 lead over the New York Jets early on in the third quarter. This one should have been much closer as we headed into halftime. Tua got uh, picked off with a minute left in the second quarter for uh, a pick six. So the Jets' defense 
doing the only scoring in this one. But uh, for some reason, the Jets decided to go full jet. Tim Boyle trying for a Hail Mary pass into the end zone. Intercepted by the Canadian Javon Holland. He takes it back 99 yards as the half expires. And the Dolphins are out on top. 20-6 to over the New York Jets on this Friday. Still a full Sunday slate of games to come, uh, including the Jaguars and the Texans, Steelers, Bengals, Saints, Falcons, all of those around the 11 a.m. start time. Your Sunday night game, Ravens and Chargers. Monday night, it's the Bears and the Vikings. Let's check in one more time on the Calgary Flames locker room ahead of tonight's matchup with the Dallas Stars. We heard from Michael Backlund and Andrew Mangiapane. Let's hear once again from Dennis Gilbert. He's set to get into his second straight matchup for the Calgary Flames tonight. He'll be on that pairing with Nikita Zadorov. Here's Dennis' thoughts uh, ahead of tonight's matchup with the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I mean, it's things happen really fast, and um, you know, it can get a little bit dicier when helmets come off and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, obviously, you know what you're entering into when you're when you're getting involved with that, and it's a, obviously a risk, and anything can happen. Um, so definitely awesome of him to do that. I'm not sure if they're teaching that or if that's something he just saw, but it was awesome and I'm definitely really appreciative. Yeah, you went back and, and saw it too. I mean, obviously you felt it, but you just yeah. how, his, yeah. how you kind of reacted to it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had a, a good idea what happened right away. Um, but yeah, the start of the period, I went right over to him. I thanked him for, for what he did and uh, it's just Got lucky. I mean, it was awesome. Definitely Sounds appreciative. Like he kind of downplayed it a little bit too. Just... Yeah, yeah. He was just like, "Oh, whatever. It's what we're supposed to do, or part of the job, or." But I was. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's a really. I think it's still a really important part of the game, um, and you see it come out in, in different ways. And I mean, it's been up the last couple of years. Like, it's no. It's not like the guys don't want it to be around, you know. Um, but those guys definitely. It's a difficult job, but but they do in. Uh, they do they do a pretty good job of doing it, and um, it's obviously the extra stuff after like it can get a little hectic, and they might catch a stray elbow, and so like it's a tough way to figure out the timing of that. And obviously those guys are in in the NHL for a reason, like they have that's a part of it, and they're they're very good at it. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly what you're talking about with that fight, though. I mean, you're you're stepping in for your goalie too, and that's you know that's that's as you mentioned, it's part of it, right? Is you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's, he's a big, strong guy, and but yeah. still, you got to set a precedent that around your net that can't happen. And then, same thing. Like we, as a team, didn't really like the shot that Posby took, and bam, Z's right over there and, and does a hell of a job. So, I mean, it's it's important. Dennis Gilbert checking in from the Flames locker room following morning skate in Dallas. Flames and Stars for the second of three matchups tonight. From Dallas, these two teams will finish off their season series next week as Dallas it comes to Calgary, uh, part of the homestand for the Calgary Flames. It also sees the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks, among others, uh, in Calgary, battling the Flames. Big part of their schedule coming up. It's a big game tonight for the team. Um, goaltending matchup, Jake Ottinger versus Jacob Markstrom. Quick reminder, again, 6.30 puck drop, 5.30 Flames warm up with Steinberg. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 
the fan. Finishing things up on a Friday. Some quick thank yous before we get out of here on the weekend. Uh, thank you to our guests today, Matt Marchese and Dryden Hunt of the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, quick thank you to Reese again of the Wranglers for uh, setting that up for us. It was great to talk uh, with Dryden ahead of two big games for the Calgary Wranglers this weekend at the Scotiabank Saddledome with the Flames uh, still out of town. If you're looking for some great hockey, you want to check out Matt Coronado, Dustin Wolf, the rest of the Wranglers. Uh, they're going to be wearing those new black outlaw jerseys, so make sure you grab some tickets and check out a couple matinee games between the Wranglers and the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, thank you for listening live or on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to my outstanding producers on this Friday, Cam and Taylor, for all of their great work. Uh, we will be back on Monday to get you uh, a recap of what happens between the Flames and the Stars and, of course, the Flames and the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. And uh, until then, enjoy the games tonight. Enjoy Flames Talk with Steinberg. It's coming up next. He'll get you set for everything you need to know with uh, the matchup against Dallas. And uh, enjoy your weekend uh, of football, hockey, and more. We'll check with you again on Monday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.